Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Everybody. Welcome back to the Turn the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Will Parkinson, at willpa 11 on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Joined by a very special guest. This will uh, this will be fun for a lot of Jets fans. Mike Westoff, NFL legend, special teams coach. Figure it out. The book, you know, is now out. So uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that. But Mike, how are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you. I'm doing fine. Thanks. Uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, you know, it's an exciting time right now. It's, uh, you know, we just finished wrapping up the NFL draft, which is always a fun time for fan bases all around the NFL. The optimism is brewing. My comments on uh, social media, the Jets are going to be a playoff team and, you know, life is good. Um, you know, wanted to kind of just, you know, start, um, obviously, you know, you spent a long time in the NFL and, um, you know, how's it, how's it being, you know, not coaching anymore? Is it, is it a weird sensation when the draft comes along and, you know, it's, you know, September, you know, it's, rolls it's around? It's an interesting question. I, I don't, I don't get as into the draft as I used to. Um, although I must admit from the research I've done, I think the Jets were probably better prepared than I've seen them maybe since I left. Yeah, maybe they learned, you know, maybe they learned a thing. No, I, think, I think they've done some good things. I, I like some of the I don't know everything about the guys they took, but I know enough. And yeah. um, you know, I, I like the cornerback. I've got interesting statistics. I think this year um, he got beat on only eight percent of plays that went to him. Eight percent. It's not and bad. Got a ball on him. And he never gave up a touchdown in four years. And this kid's a pretty good football player. Now, is he draw Revis? I don't know that. I think you got a good player. Um, so I, I like the receiver. I think he's he's really a good player. Um, so I think you're in good shape there. Uh, the defensive end. I know some people that I have talked to. There were there were several. I talked to a guy the other day that that said that they thought they didn't know for sure this, but that they had heard that Detroit was seriously considering going after that kid with the top couple picks in the draft. Wow. So I think you got a football player there. And I also heard another friend of mine told me that he believed. The running back might be the best running back coming out of the draft. So that's four football players that, you know, and every every report wasn't great, but they were overall pretty good. I did hear one thing about the tight end. One guy told me he really loved them, 
but he couldn't block. Another guy told me he really loved him because he could block. So I don't know who's right. <laughs> and <laughs> no. I, I don't watch the film, so I can't help you. No, Ruckert's an interesting one. There's there's definitely some, the tight end, he's a guy that's more of a high effort guy right now. And I feel like, which is good. Obviously, you know, coaching yeah. for a long time, you could coach technique. Um, he's got good play strength at 6'5", 250. That's what you want, kind of that, I know, ideal build. I agree with you on, on Sauce Gardner. I think um, he's got very rare size and speed, at, you know, to be 6'3", 190, 195, and run 4'4", is not... You know, it's not common, and he's got really good press technique. He's got good hands. Um, I'm a little nervous with, you know, these guys being drafted in spots where, you know, you draft the corner at number four, you know, and you're a Jet, instantly everyone's going to jump to Darrell Revis. And not sure that's necessarily fair. Or, you know, Brees Hall gets drafted as a running back, and you instantly jump to Curtis Martin. And, um, you know, that's <laughs> a little bit of unfair expectation. But I think, um, you know, getting good football players in the building, especially guys that want to be here is, you know, want to perform in New York is never a bad thing. On the other side of that though, if you're going to be any good, these are the types of players that you got to be talking about. I mean, I was fortunate. You know, I went there in 2001 and I walked into, which I, I, I remember uh, Herman Edwards came to us one time. He said he wanted me to sit down with their scouts and talk about what we really had to have. And he was in there. And I shocked the hell out of him and everybody. But I looked at the scouts. I said, you don't need to talk to me. I need to talk to you because you put together one really good football team. I mean, we really had a good team. Yeah. I, I think better than Herman ever really realized, to tell you the truth. I don't think he quite appreciated how good we were. We had an excellent group of people. And I just left Miami all those years. And we had the number one ranked defense. I had the best special teams unit in the NFL. And Dan Marino was at the end of his career. Yes. But we were, and this team I'm walking into the Jets is really a good football team. So those are the kind of names that you got to, you're going to have to mention. Yeah, he might not be Joe Rivas, but he better be headed in that direction. You know, you don't want to be, you don't want to be a, what's the other kid that was so terrible? Milner, right? Yeah. Yeah, he couldn't play a <laughs> lick. But if you looked at his career, I remember I was on my radio stuff. I, I was talking about how many games he had missed and the surgeries he had had. I, me, I remember talking with Greg Pope. He, was, he didn't have a clue about it anyway. He was clueless about that. I said, Greg, this kid never played in college. What makes you think he's going to be fine up here? Is it going to sprinkle magic dust over his locker? I don't think it's going to happen. So but from these guys, and I think that the Jets have picked up, it's the closest that I've seen them move to the type of football player that they're going to need to become competitive in a decade. In a decade. That's my opinion. Yeah. I'm on, I'm on the same page as you. I think there was something different about it, right? And like, it's something that you need to be able to not only add good people um, on the field, you got to add guys off the field that want to be in New York, that want to, you know, want to be in the spotlight, that want to perform. You know, you can talk about changing cultures all you want. And, you know, you were, you've, you were in kind of the highs and the highest of highs with the Jets and, you know, some, some lower seasons where injuries took over and things. And, you got to be able to be willing to, to sacrifice a little bit. You got to be able to, these guys got to come in and, and want to be here. And I think, you know, you've seen something with Robert Sala where, look, it has to, you have to prove it on the field. Um, you know, at the end of the day, like they won four games last year. I know they're young, you know, there's a lot of optimism, but you feel there's a different energy around the team than there's been in a long time, you know, with a guy like Sala, who's gotten, you know, players want to play for him. Um, you look at, you know, people like, you know, Joe Douglas has got a, a ton of respect around the league. And, you know, obviously he's pulled off some interesting trades and, um, you know, makes make different moves. But at the end of the day, you got to prove it on the field. And I kind of want you kind of touched on it a little bit. I kind of want to take a step back and, to, you know, 
you come from Miami, you know, you're there for, you know, for a very long time, obviously, you know, I think like 15 years or so. Um, you guys were super successful. I know the, the Jaguars playoff game in, uh, I don't know, what was that, 2099 or 2000? Yeah, that, that was not the highlight. No, that was not the highlight. But you come to the Jets, obviously, you guys start strong, um, you know, 2001. And you guys had a pretty, you know, good run there outside of 2005, you know, pretty, you know, pretty strong years. Um, I guess this is a, we'll start with a tough question, then I'll get to more easier stuff. Who of the Jets teams that you coached would you say was the best one? I would say 2010 personally, but that's just my opinion. Yeah, that that uh, it, well, the early team in one and two, 2001 and two, particularly when you know when 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 um, you know the, the, when Vinny we made the move with between uh, Vinny and Pennington. Uh, when Chad first stepped in, he was the right guy at the time for that move because what he because he. He really had the ability to maneuver the ball, you know, and we had Wayne Corbett and Vernius Coles and Santana Moss. And, you know, we had some good weapons. So that, that football team now, it had started to mature and we started to lose some guys because you walk into a team that Bill Parcells builds, it, it, it's going to present, but then it's going to crash because he, he knows what he's looking for. Okay. And so we started to lose some guys because we couldn't keep everybody financially. But we were that team was overall pretty good. I think when we first got there, we didn't take advantage of what we had. I remember Dan Marino called me one time in 2001. He was doing the CBS show, and he said, "Mike, he said if you'll put Vinny Testaverde in the shotgun, you'll go to the Super Bowl." He said he can't play under center. But Paul Hackett, you know, he was a West Coast guy. He believed in that. That's all he knew, and so you know, he wouldn't make that move. And so consequently, I think that held us back. We were, we, at that time, that's the year of the snow game, the crazy snow game, and New England ended up in the Super Bowl. Uh, I believe we were a better football team than New England at that time. Yeah, you guys beat them earlier in the year. If we played them five times, we're going to beat them three, maybe four. I believe that. But, you know, they, they did the right thing at the right time. We did not. So we kind of let it go. Because um, we, that was a good ball club. It's a 2010 team they were good and then see you know all of a sudden you know mike and i was a little bit critical of him in my book he won't fight too many coffee uh but you know he's going to turn us into the new england patriots south france well that, that, that's, not, that's not the way it worked we were a different football team so, so now now all of a sudden you know, we're losing the damian thomason and alan fanica and we're bringing in patrick alberts they shoot me it's ridiculous because we were a type of team. Was it the sexiest? No. No. Mark Sanchez was our quarterback. He was a manageable quarterback. He did a nice job. I have nothing but respect for him. But do I want to trade for him? I don't think so. Come on. I mean, it's ridiculous. He's just not the guy. But yet, when he's handing off to the Damian Thomason and, and the guys that we had, we're throwing the ball to some of those receivers that we had in a controlled fashion and playing good defense, and I had an all-star team, we're going to have a chance to win any game. We could win any game. but that, So that, that's the team. If I had to pick it, I have to stay with that group because that, that was a really talented team. And, of course, you've got Drell when he's playing at the top of his, you know, his game, and you've got Cromartie, so it enabled Rex to do the type of defense that he was good at. You know, he, he, put, he put Drell on one side of the field, everybody else on the other. He said, okay, beat me now. And that's where we that's where we could beat New England. 
were, were we going to beat them every week? No, no, we really weren't. But we were a team that could. And we went into Pittsburgh, we had to win. And we beat them that time. And when we went back in the championship game, we lost. And we got off to such a terrible start. But that first time we played them, see, that's the team that we were. See, they won. I'll never forget it. They won the toss. And they got with Dick LeBeau. They got the number one ranked defense in football. So it's a windy, kind of cold, crummy day in, 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 in early in uh, December. So they, they, they elect to, 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 you know, to, to defer to the half. So they kick off. Oh, yeah, but they kick it to Pat Smith. He runs a 96-yard touchdown. Yeah, good luck now. Now how smart. So those are the kind of things. That, see, that's the kind of team we were. We could do that. At the end of the game, you know, we didn't have a great offense. We got the ball at midfield. Now, we were leading the league at punting going in, so we put them inside the 10. Jason Taylor sacked, uh, and sacked the quarterback. How we get it to two points. Now, at the end of the game, they're down by four. And a field goal wouldn't win for them. That's how we won the game. That's the team we were. The fact that Mike couldn't quite. And there's a difference between knowing how to do a job and knowing what to do within the job. Mike Tannenbaum didn't figure that out. Yeah, it's interesting that. So, like, I remember, you know, kind of the evolution of obviously <clears throat> both, you know, both runs, I guess I would say between. You could tell me if I'm wrong on this, but you know, that 98 through 2000, 2003, probably 2004 run. And then obviously kind of, you know, built it, you know, went down, built it right back up, obviously with some really good drafts in 06, 07, 08, back into that, you know, 2008, right. 2010 run. Um, you know, it feels like missed opportunities in 98 for the Jets fans. Obviously, you know, we could go on and on about, you know, 98, but, you know, 99 obviously was an incredible Jets team. Finney doesn't get hurt. But after you made a good point, after the Achilles, he's, you know, he's 37, 38 years old. You're going to lose mobility. So why, why putting him under center doesn't make a lot of sense. And then, um, you know, as that team kind of grew out of, you know, a lot of the veterans moved on, obviously. The 2009, 2010 teams, it's frustrating because that's funny you brought up the Brad. I was going to bring up the Brad Smith kickoff return against Pittsburgh. It's one of those moments, you know, oh, the Jets going into Pittsburgh. There's no chance they're winning this game. Um, this will be the, you know, this will be the team that beats them. And, you know, punch, you know, there's nothing to punch a team right in the mouth, giving up seven points in the opening kickoff. There is, there's, there's nothing that's like we, it. That's who we were. Yeah. No, defense that, that was, was smothered To be honest people. with you, that was the only way that that group of team was that was going to win games when we because we had a good defense we could stymie you but where the defense was really good was when teams had to play catch up on us now we were a little different deal because yeah. now you had draw you could do more things and Rex could be a little more creative with his blitzing because you know if, if teams were able to, to pick us apart underneath that's what New England used to do they'd yeah. pick us apart underneath and we couldn't stop them you know when we're doing that all of a sudden you got to score now we're playing this a little different deal. And so it was just the way that, that things evolved. If we had made those moves, uh, those were very good football teams. The thing that I know, and I wrote about this extensively, um, the, the, the thing you hear all the time, you know, the same old Jets. We were not the same old Jets. We were good. We were a good team. And I've been to some good teams. I was at Miami with Marino. I was down at uh, the Saints with uh, Drew Brees and Sean. You know, we were pretty good that team now. But those, those that, that, that teams in those days could play anybody. We could play anybody. We were good. It was really fun. And to see it have kind of dissipated was frustrating. And I, I wrote about it. I wrote about it uh, emphatically because I loved my time in New York. Um, 
I, I actually wrote that I felt it was the best time of my life. Uh, and I love being in the city. I love the fans. It was a fun team. Woody was great to me. And I had some health issues that I had to deal with. And yet, there's no place better in New York to have those taken care of. So for me, it was a tremendous experience. And I would have loved for it to culminate in the Super Bowl. Um, it didn't. But I think if we had stuck with that path, it could, we could have done that. We could have done it. Yeah, the 2011 team is tough because you look at 99 and 2011 to me, and they're the two teams that you feel like you really left – you were left wanting more. Um, I, felt like, I felt like 2011, letting Jericho walk – I've talked to Tony Richardson about this extensively. He thought he had another year in him. You let LT walk. You let all these guys, all these veterans that were the key that kind of brought it every single week. The Chris Jenkins, Damian Woody. I mean, it was it was tough. Wayne Hunter is not Damian Woody, and um, you know it, there's <laughs> there is a long list of other guys, and you, it's hard to lose veteran after veteran like that. Um, you know, John Connor is a fun guy, and I know he's a special teams warrior, but he's not Tony Richardson, right? Tony Richardson's you know, like made ten all you know ten Pro Bowls. There's just there's something different about that, and. Yeah. Um, it, giving Mark the keys more like giving him too much, I think. And, you know, bringing in uh, Derek Mason on his last legs. It's supposed to Jericho. Talk. Don't even mention it. Don't even mention his name to me. He it's never, a, he never practiced. It's insane. He never practiced. I told Dan Marino this last week. I talked to him on a phone about the book. And we were talking I, I, the thing that I wrote a lot about Dan. And I said, Dan Marino, we had a little, he had his locker. He had a sign in his locker. The sign read, I'm going to practice every day and play every play. I'm going to practice every day and play every play. And until he tore his Achilles in Cleveland, he never missed a practice and he never missed a play. Derek Mason never made a damn practice. Oh, please. I don't even want to hear it. I mean, that's <laughs> Sam Marino. I, I told him that in my 32-year career, I read that sign, my rookies in training camp, Every single year. And I said, you want to know what excellence is in the NFL? I said, here it is. And I showed it. It's that's one of those names that if you tell Jets fans that it's just, it's instant anger. Um, and it, it, and I, it should be. No, it was, it, it sucked. I think he only played, was he only there for like four weeks. It was a mess. Uh, awesome. It's <laughs> no, it's, <laughs> it's, and name, you know, Jericho, I'll be in the crowd. <laughs> Jericho is one of those guys that I thought, there's something about New York and we've talked, I mean, I've talked about this in the podcast before. If, if you're a tough player and like you show, like you care, people care. Jericho cared, at least, you know, from the outside at the time I was in high school looking in, um, he was a guy that like, I felt like brought it every week, no matter what played through. I think he played on a torn hamstring and that catch. I don't know if it was against Cleveland or who it was in overtime. It's like a diving absurd catch. He's a torn hamstring. He's playing. And it's just like, that's the stuff that resembles, you know, New York, right? That's... You know, for, for me, for, for the one year, Jericho Godfrey led the NFL in kickoff returns. Yeah. He finished, he finished a rep short, totally qualified. He led the league. <laughs> the kickoff returns, now he's not exactly a burner. No. But he, he was so good at what we did and how we blocked. He was one of the league leaders. And so he did so many things for you. And this, is a, this is a football player. This is how – I remember I was in my office one day. Mike came in with these hanging boots. Uh, anyway, he happened to make that mistake. I wanted to know why you know, we gave we gave Mark the big contract. And he said, well, that's what a championship game quarterback has to be paid. I said, well, if he had anything to do with us getting there, I'd totally agree with you. 
I said, but I'm not so sure I quite understand that. No wonder he didn't want to talk to me too much. <laughs> I want to ask you about a couple of different guys that you had. Uh, we'll talk returners just quickly. You you obviously can take a lot of credit for this, and there's a lot of you got to coach a lot of really good players, especially right. in the return game. Um, there's four guys that come to mind for me. Um, well, it's really five. One's not really a returner. I, Cromartie obviously was more of a gadget guy because, you know, he Correct. had that long speed. But Correct. Leon, um, Joe McKnight, RIP, obviously, to Joe. Um, Justin Miller and, um, and Brad Smith are guys that you made, you know, Pro Bowl players, um, you know, and as returners. Is it hard when you're kind of coaching up the return game? You know, I, I played, I understand it. But for people who maybe don't understand how, you know, designing kickoff return game and, you know, turning guys with these skill sets into pro bowlers and all pros. How difficult is that? Or is it just getting them in the right situation and getting the 10 guys in front of them to, you know, it's a combination of those two things. Plus you got to add Chad Morton to that group. Oh yeah. I forgot about Chad. So really five of them. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. Well, when my years at the jets, uh, and I talked about this, I had nine, nine different guys that led the national football league in returns. No one in history will ever touch that. See, because there's no returns anymore. <laughs> They're over. First of all, I, I developed a philosophy. When I came in and started doing it, it was totally by accident. You know, I, was, I, I was coaching tight ends. I had a thousand. I was a strength coach one year when I started with a cold. I didn't even want to do it. Anyway, I was doing whatever I could. I got to be special teams by accident. They were going to fire a guy. I said, oh, don't fire him. I'll take it. Well, yeah, thanks a lot, Mike. But here, I don't, I don't even have a notebook. He had a notebook. Should have come with crayons. The notebook that this guy had. But anyway, so I started. And I developed a philosophy on offense, a kickoff, a coverage philosophy, and a return philosophy. And I based it on defense. And then I went into Bud Carson. You remember, a great defensive coach, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Well, Bud was with us with the Colts. I said, Bud, I want to treat my kickoff coverage like a defensive blitz. I said, take me through the perimeters of building a blitz. And what he taught me in such a short time, using the side of the field as an extra player, how to stack players coming, da 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 Okay? So that's how I did that. And it became as good as anybody ever did it. Then on offense, I wanted to design a return completely after an off-tackle running play. So we would double team, trap, wall, wedge, lead, re all the all the all those parts. And it was so specific. And we could do it so many different ways, then run a counter off of each one. It became extremely difficult to defend. And everybody in the league stole it. Everybody runs some version of it. Everybody. That's what Dion Hester, that's what he did his whole career. They stole it from him. And, you know, then they, they had their own wrinkle, of course, sure. And, uh, but that's, that's how we did it. And I had so many good guys and learned how to practice it so efficiently that it really almost looked like sometimes that, that we might score every time you pick to us. You know, and if we didn't, if somebody made a nice play, okay. But I, I remember going to play in New England and you know, they'd score and I'd think, okay, but you got to kick off me now. But good luck, because we're coming. And it was so much fun, and the guys loved it. I mean, I, I go down to uh, New Orleans. I was there two weeks, and we grabbed, Antonio, and we grabbed um, Alvin Carr because we were fighting to get in the playoffs. And he ran, he, he had just ran, he ran 106 yards. It's a franchise record. I've had 20 guys could have run that one for a touchdown. But that was, that was just the reality of, of really of doing things a particular way and, and, and having it having it be successful. And so I'm very proud of that. And uh, 
and the rules were so different because I came in special teams at a time when there was almost no innovation or creativity, but more importantly, no regulation. You could do anything. Now you can't do it. All, all the stuff that I gave you, Roger Goodell told me that this year. He said, Mike, you're the last person that could complain because we had to change all these rules because of you. <laughs> no, it's fun. It's funny. I think back to so many different, you know, obviously I mentioned this, but there's so many, you know, there's so many fun parts of those really good Jets teams. Um, and I'm not just saying this because obviously you coach special teams, but there was something special about, you know, the Jets getting, getting a kickoff and Leon Washington was obviously is a fan favorite. And now he's obviously working back with the Jets, which is awesome. And, right. um, you know, I, I think of Joe McKnight because I felt like, I'm a USC fan and I know you guys, you know, kind of went back and forth some in camp and, you know, and all those different things. And, but like when it clicked and like he figured it out and even if it was just for a short period, it was so cool to watch, like, you know, watching a kickoff return for a touchdown is, you know, punt returns are fun, but um, kickoff returns are something about it that, you know, usually it flips momentum in such a fashion where, right. you know, you might've just given up three or seven and all of a sudden you're right back in it's tie ball game where right. you, you know, it's a 14 point swing. Um, I'll ask you about kickers from the aspect of this, of how controllable, you know, can you like are kickers? Because I feel like, you know, everyone just goes, Oh, this guy missed it. It's like, can you work on technique with these guys or they're so far advanced in their career? It's just like make the damn kick. <laughs> like, is there anything you can do with it? No, it's a good point. What I used to do is first of all, I was a big believer in trying to compare a kicker and his technique to a golfer and his technique. And I like the guys that have, don't have a lot of moving parts. The more moving parts you have, the more difficult it is to control accuracy, things like that. So I would take look at kickers and watch their technique, their steps, all those types of things. And what I tried to do is not necessarily change it ever, but make it effective and consistent. Okay, how do we get that step perfect? Where do you have to put your weight, et cetera, et cetera. And then I would push them uh, under my own, which didn't always would, would work for everybody because it's not the easiest thing planned for me. Um, and we'd be warming up. I remember going down to the, the down to the Saints and uh, warming up with Will Lux, who's really good. And all of a sudden, I, I told the, 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 the center, I said, well, move out, put the ball outside the hash by four yards. He looked at me. I said, just kick the ball. So he's kicking it now. And I said, well, move it over here. I said, well, he said, well, I'm just about done. I said, well, as soon as you hit that right goalpost, real quick. And I, then I, I would do things like that. Then I'd get in practice and I'd tell the holder, okay, now don't say a word, but I don't want any hole perfect today. I want every hole screwed up. But it could be almost in a fence sometimes. Would you? And I, and I would just yell. I said, I don't care if you put the ball flat, just hit the damn thing. What you do is you just develop a confidence. And I think I was very good at that. And then I would let them know. And then next thing you know, they, they made a lot of kicks. They were they were good at it. The where the where I think I failed, if I had if I had to pick a time where I failed with that, of course I made it up at New Orleans because Tom Tom Morse was the best ever. But anyway, was with punters because I, when I had a lot of success when I had really good punters. Now when I didn't have good punters, which is the whole time I was a test, I was really terrible. But our numbers weren't so bad. Because I had such a good supporting cast, we could run fakes. And I could, I, I could, I could, I did motion and I shift. I still remember Belichick on the sideline screaming, "Play safe, play safe!" For the stuff I'm doing, I'm thinking to myself, "Oh, the only reason I'm doing this crap because I can't punt to get out of my house. It's terrible." I said, 
And it worked perfectly. I'm, I'm shifting guys, and he's yelling, be safe, be careful. <laughs> Only reason I'm doing this is I can't put So we're terrible. So, and that, when, uh, and that part, I, I sort of was disappointed uh, at the Jets. I could never really hit a home run with that. Uh, and I failed with it. Of course, Tom Cooper was my first guy, and uh, he got injured. And, you know, and he assured me he would be back. And uh, he had a leg injury. I wrote in my book, I said, you know, you can recover from heart and lung transplant surgery quicker than he got over his leg injury. And uh, so that didn't go too good. I'm sure he won't be happy with that. But Yeah, um, I mean, he was a great quarterback, though, in 98 or 99. And I liked him in the role. I, I, I just I didn't like the, you know, there's a big thing in the NFL that there's a big term ability. But it also is availability. You've got to be out there. Yeah. Here, here we're playing our first game, and I guess some guy I don't even know. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I was just, you know, I can't start like this. And so that that was that was always tough there. But kickers, uh, that was my philosophy, and it's just to make them do certain things, you know, and be aware of their technique to be cognizant. And then I, my my goal with the kicker always was when he misses, if I'm not surprised, I don't have the right guy. I like that. I like that. It's interesting. I'm, I always think through like, you know, Nick Folk is still obviously in the league and, and more still obviously was with the Jets last year. And it's, you know, I not, I don't, I'm not going to get into, I don't know why he got cut, even though he was top five in the NFL in every single category. Uh, and Braden Mann was else, last. Nobody else does either. So don't feel alone. Yeah. Well, Braden <laughs> Mann made a tackle two years ago. So we'll keep him on the roster. That makes sense. Um, it's interesting. You look back and, you know, John Hall was, I remember as a kid growing up with John Hall and, you know, you there's all these guys in between um, that, that kind of makes sense. I'm curious. And then we'll kind of get to the book a little bit and just talk a little bit about kind of, you know, some of the, some of the other stuff, obviously I would assume Dan Marino's one on this list. So I'm not going to put you in a, an uncomfortable spot there. Um, we'll start head coach and then I'll go to player, but you know, you worked for a lot of different head coaches. Is there a favorite you got to work with? And I'm sure this probably is in the book as well. Is there a favorite coach you got to work with and, and work alongside or um, or a best or, you know, anything like that? Or is it kind of a mixture well, of a bunch of different as things? As far as that goes, I mean, it's not even close. I mean, Don Shula was off the chart. Yeah, I was going to say it's hard. Tough competition there. And I was with him for a long time. And when you start with Don, it's very difficult. And you really have to earn your way uh, because he's tough. He was tough, and he was exceptionally knowledgeable. I mean, he's one of the handful of people that can walk into any meeting room and take it over and teach the whole thing. He could do that. I mean, he called plays with those guys, with Marino and Duper and Clayton. He called plays from the sideline with no script. With no script. The reason being, I, I, he, I, I knew everything. Him, God rest his soul, because he, had, he didn't want to have to wear his prescription glasses. <laughs> And he, so he called, so he just was, he just memorized everything. It was so much fun with him. He was, he was really the boss. And uh, a lot of ways I wrote about him, I described him as the head coach of the NFL, not, not the Miami Dolphins. He's the head coach of the whole league. Nothing, believe me when I'm telling you this, nothing happened in the league that Don Shula wasn't a part of. He was the boss. He ran it all. So yeah, that was a special time. Jimmy was at the end of his career. You know, he had one foot out the door, but that was a little different. Um, I should have gotten a job after Jimmy. I should have gotten it. That, that was the job I deserved. And they took, gave it to a guy who couldn't coach me well. Um, then I came to New York. The Herman was different. I liked Herman as his personalities and things. He was not really very well prepared in what, you know, he was never a coordinator. 
uh, his clock management, things like that, he was lost. Uh, game planning, he didn't do much. Um, but there were some things I think he handled pretty well. Uh, he understood penalties and things like that. He did a nice job with that. Eric is another time that I thought I could have gotten a job, but that was a deal that was pretty much done. You know, Mike made the switcheroo, you know, which Harry Houdini is the only person who could do a switcheroo like that uh, to get that done. You know, where Mike and Bradway switched roles, and Mike could, and they brought Eric in. I think if there's one person that I felt for a little bit, it would be Eric Mangini. Uh, but I saw a little different side to him. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. He was an exceptional executive and scout, I felt like, and team builder. He was a very good, very good scout. Really good eye for talent. But what he did, the way he related to players was difficult. And and they, and and they, it's like he always was talking down to people. I actually have heard that. I had Eric Coleman and Kerry Rhodes both on, and they both mentioned they thought the way he was so organized and disciplined and his eye for talent was fantastic. But they didn't feel like they could communicate the way they did with, with Herm or with, or with Rex. They felt a different yeah, type no, of communication. It's a shame. And, you know, and then he stepped on so many toes. He was good to me. You know, I mean, like I, I like, he used to come to a meeting room and he'd say to the kicker, right? You know, I got, uh, you know, I, I, I think, oh, you know, Mike, Mike, you're And they turn it on, it's a scouting report day. And he said, Mike, tell me about their defensive line. I used to just sit there like this. Please, you know, I told him one time, I said, whatever you do, don't ever ask me one of those questions. I said, because I'll embarrass you so bad. You know, if I have to you, I'll go beat the hell out of you. I mean, I just didn't want to deal with it. And so, you know, and then, he, then the way we practice the team sometimes, we got more people hurt in practice. But it's a shame because on the other hand, some of the things were not good. They were excellent. They were really good. So, you know, he couldn't quite get the balance. Um, I don't believe that he deserved to get fired. I don't believe that. I really don't. 
Because remember, you know, with with um, uh, with part four, Harv at one time, we're eight and three. Yeah, if he doesn't get hurt, I think that team could win a Super Bowl. I really do. I mean, we were we're eight and three, and then we end up nine and seven. Wait a minute, we're pretty good. Yeah. And it's just you know he hurt his shoulder, and then there, there was just nothing we could do. We weren't the same team, and so you know we lost those, and that and that's kind of a shame. Now Rex took over a pretty doggone good football team, and as John Gruden, who became a good friend of mine, told me one time during the lockout, Gruden said we brought people in, and Gruden told me as I got to know him that that was the best coaching staff he had ever seen in the NFL. Yeah, that's we, 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 that we staff. Good. That's Bill staff Cal- and no Bill joke. Bill Callahan's the offensive line coach. Best there is. Yeah, I mean, yeah, thank you. These guys are, yeah, we had good coaches. We really did. It was a good staff. And we had a good group of players. Good guys. Fun to be around. And we didn't, you weren't reading about us in the paper off the field. Nope. You you really weren't. And they're in New York, where it could have been. We did, we did not have that. We had great people. It was so much fun. Uh, and Rex, I thought, did a good job with it. I, I really do. I, I talked about that. You know, his sometimes his craziness with the media never, ever took place with the players. Never. We never heard any of that crap. Everybody used to laugh. Everybody was on time. We worked hard. Nobody missed practice. And we had fun. We really had fun. And so it was a, a, a shame that it, that, that it dissipated the way it did. Yeah, it's it's funny with it, like there's so many different personalities that you got to work with, and so many honestly great people that got to work with you in sense of you know how good you were at your job, and that I do think about both the '98 and the 2009, 2010 staffs where there's head coaches all over the NFL littered everywhere. There's elite level position coaches. Um, you know, you look at it, Anthony Lynn. You look at these, you know, all these different guys that you know end up being multi-time head coaches in the NFL, coaching running backs and doing all these different things. Yeah. It's like it shows it's it's it is an impressive group. Um, I'll go to players because this one is, you know, obviously it's subjective. Everyone feels differently about it. I mean, I know Dan, you know, obviously Dan Marino would be the best player to ever play for the Dolphins or the Jets. So it doesn't really matter there. But outside of Dan Marino, who obviously we kind of talked about a little bit, who are some of the guys that you were like, I would assume Darrell's up there, players that you were like, this was just an absolute pleasure to be, you know, watch, you know, coach, watch in person and just they were like the guys that stood out amongst the elite of the elite. They they are up there. That's a good question. Obviously, I, I won't I, I won't do this with special teams players, okay? Because we're, it's a little different realm. Yeah. I'll just go with the guys who started. The one that I would have to put above everybody, and I mean I'll put them above everybody, was Dwight Stevenson with the Dolphins at the center. I believe, I firmly believe this, that he played his position better than anyone else ever their position i've had players from other teams tell me when we were getting ready to play you guys he said we'd be in a meeting and the coach would be talking about a scheme he said nobody paid attention to i said all we did was sit there and watch tape he said, that's all we did we sat and watched him he was the most dominant player at his job than anyone ever dominated their role in my opinion he was special i i, I watched him do things you just he would throw you on the ground like you were a little rag doll and a great guy, you know, and he tore his Achilles. And you know, yeah, if you look out. at his if you look at his career, he played, you know, whatever. He played nine or eight years. Maybe he was an all first team all pro five times. <laughs> so it's no joke. He's the he's the best ever. I mean, I used to watch him do things. I think he'd be when I first went there. I remember I was I was an offensive line coach, 
I remember talking to John Sandusky, a great offensive line coach, by the way. You know, we're the Miami Dolphins, and they're talking about protection. I said, John, you can't do that. You can't, I wish to call it key, where the guard would drop back, and that's a, that's a three-man line. And then he would slide out, and you let both backs release. I said, well, you can't do that. you got the center all by himself. He said, we don't care not with this guy. We don't care. Dwight would hold guys like out. He'd hold ones out here, and he'd be helping over here. It was, like, ridiculous. I said, you can't use that protection. He said, oh, yeah, watch. <laughs> I said, well, you have to slide your line. He said, no, nah, we don't do that. No wonder, no wonder Marino completed so many passes that he could get a million guys out that fast and work on it. So that's the guy I would give credit to. After that, obviously, uh, you know, Curtis Martin was really something special to watch how, how hard that he played. He really played hard. And, and, I'm, a, and I'm a big uh, Kevin Malai fan. I thought Kevin was really a special football player. So, you know, those are some of the guys that uh, in key roles uh, Darrell Rivas, obviously, I was there for his when he was in his prime. Uh, he was special. You know, well, we, you know, we used to have officials to officiate our practices, and they would throw fouls. And we had a lot of guys, they'd be complaining. Ah. Darrell Rivas would walk over and say, okay, what did you see? What did I do? That's what he would do. And he said, no, I don't think so. I thought, and that's, that's, how, that's how intense he was with everything he did. One of the hardest practices, I actually... Uh, only until I got to the Saints did I rank anyone ever ahead of how Drell Rebus practiced, and that had and that that was Drew Brees, because Drew Brees was off the charts, off the charts was how he worked. I mean, he whoa, wow! You talk about somebody in practice every play, every play was like it meant the Super Bowl. I mean, every single thing he did, the whole team used to have to wait for him sometimes. Because he wasn't finished stretching. <laughs> and every, when he would leave the field, he had like a routine. He just wouldn't come off the field. He had to run down through the end zone and then come off. I mean, it was like stuff that he did was like, yeah, just sit there. Went, wow, he's doing that? Yeah, he's doing it. And, and every day, every day, everybody would be going home on Friday. And he'd be in the weight room going through this routine. He'd get in front of the mirror. And he'd call a play to himself. Nobody but him in there. I used to be in there. You know, I'd be, I'd be hiding in a corner. You know, I'd be in there looking for weights, you know, and he'd call a little play. And then he'd drop back, and he'd kind of look it off, and he'd look up in the mirror to see where his eyes were and what he was looking at. He'd go through the whole game plan by himself. This is what he did. This is, you know, guys, guys come out of high school or college, and they think they're going to be players. They better have, if you want to really be good, you better have more than talent. You better have more. The really football guys, that's the stuff that, that they did. And I, I was fortunate enough to witness a lot of that and to see those kind of guys. You know, so, so we had those. I'm a, uh, you know, big to brick the shot. Nick Mango, I thought, did a tremendous job as a center. He's the perfect kind of guy. He could hold up. You know, he's so big. You know, he's like running around my desk here. You can't get around him. Things like that. You know, those kind of guys. Um, I was fortunate to be around quite quite a number of them. And of course, I was with the Duke Clayton group. But then I was also with the Lavernius Coles and Wayne Corbett and those guys. Santana Moss. I mean, you talk about a special football player. No wonder we won games. It was easy for me to be a... There was one year, I think 2003, we were going to play the Raiders. And I'm doing a scouting report. And I used to put all stats up and things in my report. And uh, let's see, Chad Morton was leading the league in kickoff returns. 
Santana Moss was leading the league in punt returns, and Chad Morton was second in the NFL in punt returns. Oh, yeah, try to beat that record. Yeah, good luck. I don't care. Not happen. Beat that. I don't care who you are. You're never going to touch it. That's how good we were. And those guys were good football players that really contributed. And so, you know, when I look back on it, that's why I wrote this book, because um, it categorizes a lot of that. And I was so very fortunate. It was a unique time. And that time is gone, and it's never coming back. Yeah. I went up to, I went up to the combine this year and talked to the special teams coaches. They asked me to come up. And uh, so I went. They have a dinner. So I, after the dinner, I was talking to them. And I said, you know, I congratulated them. Da, 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 da. I said, look, you're sitting here at this dinner. I said, we started this dinner in 1990. That was me. We did this. I said, when I walked in this league, there were no coordinators. I said, the job that you have today, if you don't do something right and get on top of this, it's going to be gone because you don't have any plays. I said, an owner's going to walk into the general manager and he's going to say, why am I paying this guy a million dollars a year when he's coaching eight plays? I said, you better have an answer. I said, I helped, I helped create that position. As I actually, I'm talking enough. I think I did create it. That's just me. I can't help it. I just I think I what I did. But I know one thing is going to be gone. I said, I, and I know there's safety. I understand that. I said, the highest propensity for touchbacks is when the, the quarterback leads the receiver in the middle of the field and throws it to him, and the safety's right there and kills him. But what are you going to tell the quarterback? To quit throwing in the middle of the field? No. So what do you do? You eliminate a kicking play. That's what they're faced with. And if they don't get on top of it, there will be no book they can write. There won't be any damn things to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting. A couple of the guys you mentioned, um, every single guy I have on, I tell, I always, I'm always curious. Every, you know, I've had Mike on. I've had a lot of the former Jets on. And I'm always curious who's going to say the same people. Because usually it's the same obvious guys. Every single person I've ever talked to has mentioned Darrell. And they said it's similar to what you said. It's, it wasn't just he is an elite level talent because if, I've talked about this. If you go by, you know, today's metrics of the raw athletic score, if, you know, height, weight, speed, arm length, sh- three cone, everything. He's the best that's ever tested at the combine ever. And yes, that's impressive, but it's the technique, the film study, the way he he's talked about this year. He, you know, when he used to go against Chad Johnson, he knew he wasn't, you know, he could tell who's into the game, who's not, how he could get in Randy Moss's face a little bit, but kind of frustrate him and, you know, hand fight with these guys. It's just, it's interesting. Chris Jenkins is a name that comes up a lot. Um, you know, obviously the injuries were unfortunate, uh, you know, with Chris, but when he was right. healthy, um, you know, and it's it just, it's fun. And it's fun to hear kind of who, uh, you know, sticks out to people. Kevin Y was awesome. He's one of my favorite players growing up. I used to be able to talk to Kevin when I was seven, eight years old and, She's like, oh, yeah, do this, this, and this. I'm like, okay, sounds good. Uh, but, no, it's – I agree with you. I think, you know, special from a special teams perspective, um, you know, Brent Boyer is a guy who's been at the Jets now a long time. Um, he survived three head coaches, so I think you could probably appreciate that, you know, it's hard to survive multiple staffs. Um, right. Is he a guy that to you, you know, Braxton Berrios, and kind of previewing to, the, you know, the current day team, is Braxton Barrios a guy you enjoy watching on Sundays just from, you know, he feels, it feels like he hits the whole million miles an hour, no matter what, he has no fear on kickoff and punt returns. Is that something that stands out to you when you're kind of evaluating yeah, how good a returner? To be honest with you, I, I don't get to watch him as much. I don't have as good of an opinion as I, as I probably should. Um, I like him. I think he's pretty damn good. But, you know, it's not somebody that I, 
that I know, like I used to know, you know, when I did the media, I would study all these guys. And, um, but yeah, he's got some of that, 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 that raw talent, what you have to have. You look at that courage, and that guy that hits you hard. The thing that the problem with so much of that today is so hard to compare to someone like me because you don't have the number of opportunities. Yeah. They're just not there. You know, it was every kick was returned when I was coaching. So every kick, you kick it, we're running it back. Or if some windy day or something crazy. But, you know, so now you don't have that. Plus, when you start, when the, when the ball starts at the 25, it doesn't take much to get to the 50. Well, therefore, you've eliminated at least one or two or three punt returns a game. So that takes that number down. I'll give you the perfect number. I'll tell you exactly. My first 30 years as a coach in the NFL, my first 30 years, not counting PATs and field goals, either kicking them or defending. I'm not counting those plays. I averaged 22 plays a game, 22. My years with the Saints, seven. Oh, that's crazy. Seven. So a lot less opportunities, that's for sure. Now, you know, I'm not counting a kickoff for a touchback. I mean, I'm 74. I can run down today on that play, please. I'm so I'm, I went from 22 to seven. Now we went, when I walked in there, the way they brought me, they were ranked 31st in the NFL. When I walked out, we were first. So that, that worked. I hope it was fun, but you just don't have the plays. So what you have to do as a coach today, you got to figure out exactly what you have to have and what you can't do. And I've had a couple of new head coaches call me and say, okay, how should we try to build our roster today? What do you have to have? I can help them. I help them. It's just different. It's yeah. different. So, you know, that's why it's a little hard for me sometimes to compare these guys because of what we were experiencing. You know, those types of players that we talked about earlier, the Chad Morton and Lavernius Cole, or not Lavernius, but the Santana Moss and those kind of guys, to me, that's the reason why we were in the playoffs all those years, because they contributed. Were they the reason? No, of course not. But they were a viable contribution. It's, it's interesting. I was curious on, on your thoughts on this, and, and we'll talk about the book a little bit before we wrap. But, you know, Devin Hester is up for the Hall of Fame uh, this past, you know, in 2022. He did not get it on the first ballot, um, which is okay. But do you believe, you know, he should be in the Hall of Fame as a returner? Obviously, by far the most, you know, touchdowns um, as a returner ever. Do you think, he, you think he's a Hall of, Fame, uh, Hall of Fame player? I know there's a big debate about as a returner, you know, as there usually is with kickers and, and stuff like that. Is it's Devin Hester a Hall of Famer? It's a good point. Uh, I would have not voted him. And as a matter of fact, I did not vote. Uh, I get a number of guys ask me to vote as like a, uh, you know, it's just a, to see what I would do. It's a, I don't have a vote, but they'll ask me to give an opinion of what so I do. And I did not vote for him. Uh, until Steve Tasker gets in, I'm not going to be happy with anybody that gets in. But I think he's the all-time best ever. That guy wrecked the game. Um, Devin never scared. I, I always felt you could you could play him if you played him a certain way. I mean, he never ran across the street against us. We didn't do anything. Well, we know how to, same thing with Deion Sanders. I talked to him. He and I are two good friends. And so I was teasing him uh, when he came down to visit the Saints. I said, if you had to play against me every year, every week, I said, you'd be a greeter at Walmart. <laughs> I said, you wouldn't have a job. He, he started laughing. He said, you used to kill me. I said, what do you think? I'm going to give you an ball on the field? I said, forget it. That's, that's what I think with uh, Kevin. As much as I respect what he did, plus it also bugs me a little bit that they ran a lot of my stuff, so that's sort of irritating. But I think he has a very good chance to get in, and I, I, I 
The other guy that I remember as a kid thinking, or not as a kid, um, Dante Hall, I know his career was far shorter. I felt like Dante Hall, obviously, pretty much solely a return guy. I mean, I don't remember one play of him right. offensively, but he was a guy I felt like it was just like pure electricity when he got the ball in his hands, whether something good or not happened. Um, it, he was, those were the two guys to me that I was like growing up. I felt like we're the, you know, individually the, probably the most, uh, you know, talked when, about returners. It's interesting you bring him up. When Herman left and went to Kansas City, they used Dante Hall as kind of a leverage to try to get me to go. And they wanted me to, to work with him. Okay, in my book, I wrote about Dante Hall and that when he went to that first Pro Bowl, in 2002, I was furious because I wanted Chad Morton to go. Yeah. Here's, here's the thing. And I actually wrote this rule. This rule was mine. You could ask Mike Pereira. I did this. Back in the day, on a punt return, if you signal for a fair catch and the ball hit the ground, all bets were off and the ball now became live. Yep. Twice, Dante Hall signaled for a fair catch. The coverage team slowed down. The ball hit the ground. He picked it up and ran for two touchdowns. Without those two touchdowns, Chad Morton goes to the Pro Bowl. I got, I got, I, I changed the rule that year. It was mine. I did. I went in with Mike Pereira. I used to go down there, 280 Park Avenue. I could drive there in my sleep. I used to get on a train and I would go down. I would sit there with Mike and I would walk, talk to those guys about officiating. And that was a couple of rules. We, Mike and I changed several. That one was mine. I got really involved in that. But here's the thing that I do know in doing that. My first eight years for New York Jets, we were the least penalized team in the NFL. And the last and the last decade since you left, they're probably the most penalized special teams unit. We were the, in the least entire NFL. in the NFL. <laughs> Ask Mike Pereira. He'll tell you why. I spent weeks and I used to go down there and I'd sit there with them. I'd say, okay, I used to write a report on the officiating crew, give it out to the players. I would talk to our officials about how I wanted to officiate practice. We would go through that, and I would go with Mike, and I'd say, okay, how do you teach hold? How, how, why do you call hold? And he would get his guys to show me, and I would teach it. I did the same thing with the Saints. I did the same thing everywhere. So, you know, it's just a matter of trying to utilize every single thing you can. That's why I think I would have been a good head coach, because I, I, had, I had enough. I, I learned a lot from Coach Shula of doing those types of things, and, and, it, and it, it paid off. And I don't know, you say what you want for eight years with a, I'll tell you another one. When Rex took over, now Rex was a little tough because his defense was going to get penalized. They were going to, this was part of the deal. All right, yeah. so right there where we helped Rex. We got a guy, an official named uh, Bob Miller. He's he, a little golf course out in Long Island. And he was, a, uh, he's the head of, uh, he was a golf coach, but the head of a, uh, a high school officials in Long Island. All right. He would help us officiate our practices. We, we hired him. He did a good job. And then I put him in charge of replays. He studied every rule. He studied every crew. And he traveled with us. And when a replay situation came up, he would advise Rex on whether or not we should do that. We had the highest success percentage in the NFL. Want to know why Rex won some games? The little things. These the are little all little things that helped us. Yeah, the, the, sure, I know what the players did. I, I, I know what happened. But, you know, Mark Sanchez was our quarterback. We're in a championship game. Come on. Yeah. You know, we, we did so many little things so well. And I, I don't think 
I don't think Mike Mike Tannenbaum ever really truly understood. I truly don't. I, I'm, I'm sorry for Mike, but I don't care. You know, he's, he's only going to buy one book anyway. So I don't care. No, it's it's uh, it's interesting when you look back to it, like I said, at, at some of the different things. Um, you know, I guess I'll, one last question before we will just talk about a little bit about the book. Is Venetieri the the like the prototypical? This is what a kicker should be. Just based on, is it just because he got those moments that everyone looks at him like that, or is he is he quite is he really that as good as? Uh, you know, because he'll really, probably be in the Hall of Fame. You bring up a really interesting point, and that's a really interesting point for me right now. And I'll, I'll tell you why. Uh, if I had a vote, I would definitely vote for Adam Vanity to go in the Hall of Fame. But, but at the end of his career, when he was with the Colts, that part of his career would have never happened if it weren't for Pat McAfee. Pat McAfee is incredible. McAfee's got his, his show that he does. I'm trying to get a hold of him to read my book and get me on it. But I would tell people that. You're the reason that he stayed in the league. Because McAfee was a great kickoff guy. When Adam Venetieri would kick off, you know how we used to talk about it in our meetings? It was batting practice. We knew we were going to kill him. I knew right where he'd kick the ball. We were, I said, every time he kicked off, we were running over to 50. We would kill him. But McAfee came along and kept him in the league, although I said, Coach McAfee, you should have never kick it to me over here, brother, because that's why we beat you. I can't believe he kicked it to Kamari into our bench. I said, we need to kick to the other bench. You can't kick it over here. We ran, we ran over to midfield, kicked the field goal, and went to the playoff. So I, I, I can't wait to get on and talk. Talk crap. I'm sorry. Excuse me. I don't mean to swear. Uh, and talk crap. <laughs> excuse me. Uh, but that's, that's so yeah, I, but then Terry. I thought he was one of the greatest ever. But at the end of his career, he really had faded as a kickoff guy. And, and his career was able to keep going because of what this, because of what Patrick did. And that doesn't, that has nothing negative toward him. But I would vote for him to go to the Hall of Fame immediately. I would. That's, that's incredible, man. He's, you know, the way his career has taken off, but he was a special punter. Like he, I mean, he was as good as it gets. And, he could tackle people on kickoff, and it matters. He could. He, <laughs> he, of course, he didn't tackle us a couple of times, but Brad Smith got him. <laughs> Brad Smith well, got we everybody. We, we knew. We, we really had a good thing going into that game because they had nothing to, to win by, by beating us, and we had everything. So what I had done, I had got a friend of mine living in Indianapolis, and I had got all these reports about Bill Paulian being on the air talking about the game. Did they want to play their starters? Da, 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 da. I can remember telling our guys, I said, look, I said, all we have to do is make some kind of big five plays. They're going to yank Peyton out of the game, and we're going to kill them. Well, we come out of the second half, they kick off to us, and Brad Smith runs a touchdown. And I kept the TV copy. I used to show it in meetings. And it shows, it shows um, Peyton Manning going over to the bench, and he's on the phone. Now, I know he's talking to Bill Pollard. I'm sure of it. And he takes the phone, and he takes off, and he slams it down, he throws it down, he throws his helmet, and he walks over and sits down. He takes out of the game. Rex blitzed that young kid. Nine million times we beat the heck out of him, we won the game. Curtis Painter, I think, maybe. I think that might have been. I don't know if it was Curtis Painter or somebody else. It was. It, it got Rex, ugly. Rex killed him. He killed him. <laughs> he blitzed him every play. And, he, and we won the game. That's how we did it. 
I remember telling the guy, I said, all you got to do, all we got to do is one play. One play, the game's over. It was right. It was that, that's what was so much fun to be a part of. And that was really fun as a coach and so rewarding to see those kind of things. You know, and they got, you can imagine showing that in a meeting and what the players would think. They couldn't wait to play the next week. That's the stuff that I think I, think I did pretty well. And I, and I really enjoyed doing it. I was proud that I could do it. All right, it's, it's incredible. And I guess we'll, we'll kind of wrap with this. I wanted to give you kind of a chance to talk a little bit about, you kind of Please. reference it, but, but talk a little bit about the book. Um, you know, it's something that I, I'm excited to dive into. I'm not a great reader, but I'm going to, I'm going to do my best and dive, dive into it. Well, it is on, it is on audio books. There we go. I might have to listen to it. I want to give you a chance to kind of talk a little bit about it and, um, you know, and, and preview it for, you know, everyone that, uh, to be able to go buy it. Well, it, it, it was something I always thought that I'd want to do. I always, I've always felt that I would like to do it at some time. And uh, actually in my prologue, I wrote about this a little bit. I always uh, wanted to start the last book, a book that I would write by standing on the sidelines during the national anthem at the Super Bowl. Now, I knocked on the door five times, but I didn't get in five times, and it never happened for me. I don't believe that it, 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 I don't believe that it, it managed my career, but I was disappointed it didn't happen. And there was a lot of reasons. I won't go ahead. I'll ruin the prologue if I tell you that. But, um, I wanted to write a book. And, and really, the book's about, the book's titled Figure It Out. It's titled Figure It Out. You can get it through Mascot Books, M-A-S-C-O-T, Figure It Out. It'll, you, can, you can actually get it right now through them, but it'll come out in bookstores and everywhere uh, in July. But, you know, figure it out. I wanted to write a book about the guys who came out of nowhere, contributed viably in wins and losses, and pretty much changed the game. I mean, I have a quote on the book from Roger Goodell, and Roger Goodell said, and, and believe me when I'm telling you this, in the NFL, they said Mike Wetzel changed the game. So I'm proud of that. And I think some of the things that I was able to do did that, and then other people, of course, came along and did it, did it very similarly. Uh, and it, it led for a great time. But it's those kinds of guys. That's what the book's about. That is a whole story. And then my, of course, my, how I developed through it and went through it all the way, you know, from starting off in college and, you know, some of the things that I did and going through and playing and, and then just the, getting into the NFL pretty young, uh, how it developed, the guys that I dealt with, the story. I, you know, I was part of that midnight move out of India, out of Baltimore to Indianapolis. You know, I was part of that. I mean, I've got, I've got an incredible story about Bob Knight. I have an incredible story about sitting on a, on a curb in a street in Tuscaloosa, Alabama with Bear Bryant. Bear Bryant and me with his, with his houndstooth hat on. It's incredible. And it's all true. And then how it developed and how I got guys, you know, came up to Chris Hayes. And then what we did, I think we did a guy, Barry Wilner, a writer. Uh, I wrote every word. But, and I would set up an interview, and he would conduct the interview. And then, and then you're hearing me tell the story, and then you're hearing Zach Thomas tell it, or Sean Payton, or, 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 or Chris Hayes, or Leon Washington. And I think that's really kind of a good way to do it. And then and we let it know, I let everybody know, you know, it's in your language, because I'm not, I'm taking nothing out. So, you know, it's, it's pretty funny. <laughs> when you hear the way something's described, you know, me too, I, I don't have the best language in the world. 
Oh, I don't either. I don't either. I slip up sometimes and curse on the air. It's, it's, I, I didn't mean to. I'm sorry. No, I, 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 the other day I, I was like, they were talking about analytics versus film and I let out a couple FUs and it was just, I, I couldn't control myself. I was like, you, you can, you can fucking have them both. You, you can love numbers and love film. They're this, they're both, they're not independent. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just that kind of stuff. But it was fun to do. Um, I, I'm very proud of it. Uh, it took me almost two years to do, two and a half. But, you know, I did a lot of it during the pandemic. It was the perfect time. I was disciplined. I would start writing every day about 7 or 7.30, and I'd write till about 11. And, I, and then I would transcribe it. I actually wrote it by hand. And then I'd send it to this guy, and then he would type it up and put it there. And when it was edited, there weren't too many t- I actually am pretty good at that. I have, they did some punctuation things, but other than that, they hardly did anything. Um, and so I really worked at it. I worked hard at it. And, and it's just a good story about guys. And then they told stories. Of course, they took me a little bit, but I was a little bit of a character. And uh, how it was tough to play for me. You know, they just talked about it. And, uh, but yet at the end, then they knew where I would come back. You know, I, I was hard on everybody. And I'd come back, and they all how much they liked it, and they enjoyed it. And what they thought, and that's extremely rewarding for me, but it just tells a great story of guys that figured it out. You know, they weren't the biggest guys. They, 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 you know, where did they come from? How did they, how did they make this happen? And so, and how it contributed. And then, of course, I talked about coming to the Jets, 9-11. There's a great 9-11 stuff. I talked all about that. You know, what I thought the Jets did, and how they were responsible for how the NFL responded. The Jets did that. And I thought that was great. And then, you know, how we went along with some good times and some bad times, and you know, where we suffered a little bit, but where we actually were pretty doggone good. And um, and the players that made it happen, and then how it kind of, you know, fell apart at the end. And you know, that was disappointing. But uh, and then, of course, going down to the Saints, not knowing anybody, walking into that place, finding finding Taysom Hill. How did that happen? You know, that I I, I did all that. It was for me. It was so much fun. But anyway. I think it's a book that anyone would enjoy because it just basically brings out qualities that anyone, if you're anything you do that you have a, a realm of success, you'll figure out, yeah, yeah, I, I had to do that. So that's kind of what I did. And that's, that's what I wanted to write about. And I think I, I did it. And it, it tells good stories. It's funny. I think there's parts of sad. Plus, I incorporated a lot of medical things in it. Because, you know, I was right in the middle of it all, going through all that stuff. Fortunately for me, though, a lot of it took place in New York. You know, and I'm down there at Sloan Kettering with John Healy. He's only the best surgeon in the world. I mean, he's the best. He's first. Yeah. Nobody's second. And, so, and I talked about that and, you know, how fortunate I was that I was able to work through it. You know, yeah, I wore a cane. I had to use a brace. So I don't know. But, you know, I, I learned how to do it. It didn't. I, I, people didn't know. There's part of it you're... In training camp, in like the mini camps and things after some surgeries, I would be on the field, and, and uh, nobody ever knew this. I, I was catheterized. I used to have to go to the corner of the field and dump the bag. Nobody knew, but I still did it. Now, the way I looked at it was, you know, people were doing this everywhere. They don't, you know, we don't pick everything we want. So the idea is, okay, figure it out. And I think I figured it out. In my time in New York, I loved every second. I'll give you an example. I didn't put this in the book. I'll give you an example. My girlfriend and I lived in Long Island. She was in Garden City. 
uh, we're taking a train going to a restaurant in, in, in Manhattan. We used to go to Helios is my favorite place up on up on Second Avenue. Anyway, so we're standing freezing cold in, in like in February, and we're waiting to get a cab in front of Penn Station. You know what I'm talking about? You've been here, everybody's seen. And these guys came by on a Friday night. They had broken off. They're out having a few drinks, and they recognized me. So they started talking to me. Hey, coach, da 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 da. They're talking about this da 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 da. And then he said, "What do you want?" I said, "Well, we're waiting to get a cab." He said, well, "Why are you waiting to get a cab? Why aren't you in a limo?" I said, "I'm with the Jets." The Giants ride around in limos, not the Jets. I said, I'm the regular Jet guy. Well, they loved it. And, and so did I. So did I. That's awesome. That's and awesome. That's, that was it. That's what the book's about. I'm, I'm excited to read it. Um, you know, again, July 12th, it'll come out paperback and you can pre-order. Um, I know Amazon, Google. Um, yeah, you every- can pre-order it now. You can, you'll get the book now. It's in the, it's called a soft cover. It's not paperback. It's called a soft cover. You get it through uh, Mascot Books. Mascot Books, figure it out. You'll get it delivered to your house right away. I'm excited to read it. I appreciate you coming on. For me, like I said, it's cool for me. Um, you know, I got to I got to meet you when you were first with the Jets, and you know, now looking at it, you know, you're uh, you know, you had an incredible career, obviously, and um, you know, I, I think everyone's everyone's very you know, the Jets fans, you know, obviously appreciate you and stuff like that. So, um, you know, we'll have to do it again, and um, yeah, make sure you guys. Uh, order the book pre-order I'll link it in uh, I'll link it in you know with the podcast and so you guys can click on it right away to go you know find the book so Thank I you. appreciate you coming on and uh, you know we'll have to we'll have to do it again soon I'll do it again maybe once you're getting ready to come out I'll be happy to do it for you thanks Will. Uh, I appreciate yeah, you yeah you have good questions too Thank you. I appreciate it. I try. One I try. The, one, of the, one of ESPN or somebody should talk to you. You do, yeah. you do a good job. Hey, man. You know, I, I'll, I'll take, I'll take any and all. Uh, I'll take any and all. But I appreciate it. 